Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Good morning. I, I heard it from this side. Let me give you one more time. I'm going to give this side one more chance. Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Good morning. There we go. There we go. I was worried that, that y'all didn't get the high-octane coffee that we put out there. To, you got the low-octane stuff. And so it's good to be with you again this morning. This morning, I'm repping um, a shirt from our parking team. Our parking team wears these shirts. They have these available. You know, there's a great theologian that said that if the parking ministry is below you, then leadership is beyond you. I'm just kidding. Nobody really said that. I just made that up. And so, but parking ministry is one of those ministries that is so important to what we do here. They are the first line and wave of people that welcome people to Fellowship High Crest. They do a great job. If you're a part of the parking team, would you stand up and let us just applaud you and appreciate what you do every week? As you can see, we had two that stood up. That means that we have plenty more shirts for those who want to become a part of that ministry. The great thing about parking ministry is it's one of those places where the introvert can serve, right? All you're doing is stand out there pointing, right? So you can do that. So introverts, God can use you, and we have an orange shirt for you to wear. Now, the parking team is a part of our connections team, and it's just the beauty of how God makes us and goes into our message for today, how we all have different shapes and skills and gifts, and God can use all of them. Some of you say, well, I'm not at the point in my relationship and my walk where I want to be the person talking with a lot of folks. Well, the parking team is one of those, and I, I respect the men and women who serve on that team so much because they're out in the elements. Amen. They're out in the elements, right, to, to tell people that they love them, that they're welcome here. It is such a great thing. But then, you know, on that same Connections team, they're, they're our, uh, we have our greeters that stand at the front door, and they're the people that love talking to everybody, right? I mean, and then you might be a happy medium in there somewhere, and you might say the Welcome Center is more for me because I'm not quite want to be up in your business in the morning, and I'm not quite, like, get away from me in the morning, but I'm kind of in between. We're like, we cool. Well, Welcome Center might be the place for you to serve. And so that's the beauty of how God made us to work together where we all have a place to work and be a part of the body, and that goes into why we're here this morning. Right. If this is your first time visiting, I want you to know that uh, the Bibles that you found in your seat are our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible, that's our gift to you. If you don't have one that's easy to read, then that's our gift to you. If you know someone that doesn't have a Bible, that doesn't have one that's easy to read, please take that one and give it to them as a gift from both of us. Now, what we normally do is we normally put the page number for our focal passage on the screen rather than the scripture itself, because we want you to see that that which we are teaching actually comes from the word of God. But this series is a little bit different in that we are going through so many verses in every sermon that instead of having you flip back and forth the whole time, we're going to be putting more of those passages on the screen than normal. We're in the third week of our series um, named DTR or being wholly committed. If you're not familiar with the term, obviously you haven't been in a relationship yet and had someone mention that term to you, but it simply means define the relationship. It can be a scary term, but it can also be a clarifying and a strengthening term. And so in the first week, we started off of this sermon series by giving you some pictures and examples of the church in the New Testament. 
And that's important that we know how it looked in the New Testament and in the scriptures itself. And then last week, we started to define what the local church is and how that looked. And we said it's going to take a couple of weeks to get through it. So we started by saying, hey, it's important that that we know what the church is and our God intended role with the church. And, And why it's so important is this, because if we don't, we run the risk of thinking that the mission of God happens by magic. We run the risk of thinking that that we uh, make disciples by magic, that we invite people to um, this service and they pray this prayer and it all happens by magic. And I said it would take a couple of weeks for us to explain what the church is because it takes time to define these these concepts. And last week we spent time defining and describing the church structure. And this week we're going to put flesh on it. This week, if you can remember, we said, hey, hey, we're going to talk about um, how a last week was the marriage covenant. This week we talk about how a couple lives together and makes a home together and, and engages in marital intimacy together and, and has children and share confidences and so on. And so here at Fellowship High Chris, when we speak about the church, we like to use this diagram. And the reason we like to use this diagram is because language matters. And so when we talk about church here at Fellowship Highcrest, one, one of the things we like to say is we like to call more of what we do here on a Sunday morning, the gathering, rather than church. And here's why. When we say church, we're talking about a group of people whose lives center around two things, gospel and community. Gospel is always the content and community is always the context. Right. And so that is important. So when we say church, we're talking about a Group of people whose lives center around those two things. Gospel is always the content and community is always the context. And with that being the case, when we say church, we're not talking about a building. We're not talking about an event. We're not talking about a service, but we're talking about a group of people. And we're going to keep hammering at home because we want everyone to be on the same page in those regards. It's those people who believe in Jesus Christ, not only as their savior, but also as their Lord. Therefore, on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights is when Fellowship Highcrest as a church gathers. Throughout the rest of the week is when Fellowship Highcrest scatters. Now, both parts of the church are important, and here's why. The reason that both parts of that diagram and that model are important is because the only power that we have to change comes from the Spirit of God using the Word of God in the context of the community of God. What that means is this. If you want to become more like Jesus in any area of your life, the only way it's going to happen is the spirit of God using the word of God, the scriptures, the Bible in the context of the local church. And that first part is so important. I read this week uh, a, a quote that someone is saying, anyone who says that I'm trying my best to be a good Christian has no idea what Christianity is really about. Because they have just replaced the Holy Spirit with themselves. It is the Holy Spirit that brings about transformation in our lives. It is not our will. It is not our strength. It's not how good we try. It it is the Holy Spirit using the word of God in the context of the community of God. That is so important to grasp. You will continuously struggle in your life and in your spiritual walk and not being good enough if you don't recognize that it is the Holy Spirit who draws and transforms our heart. So important. 
I better get off of that because I wasn't supposed to be talking about that today. <laughs> now, the part that we discussed last week is what we call like the gospel in the air. It's all of our theology. It's, it's, it contains what we think about who God is and what he's done in our relationship to both him and to others based on what he's done. Remember this. It always goes vertical before it goes horizontal. If there's a mess up in your vertical relationship with God, it's going to always display itself horizontal in your relationship with other people. It always goes vertical before it goes horizontal. I got to keep moving. All right. And so this week we look at that community part. We won't go too deeply into mission during this series, but we'll touch on it briefly. But but this week. We're talking about that community part. And here at Fellowship Highcrest, this is important. When we define what community is, that means if somebody is doing life with us, if somebody is a part of us, we talk about people who are doing these seven rooted rhythms with us, with a small group here at Fellowship Highcrest. When we describe who's a part of Fellowship Highcrest, we talk about people who are living out seven rooted rhythms on a regular basis with a small group here at Fellowship Highcrest. So what are those seven rooted rhythms? I'm going to explain it to you here briefly. The first one is daily devotion. We want you to connect with God, right? And last week we gave out the reading gods, and and those had scriptures for the different days of the week on it. And, and, And so we ask people to reap. It's one of the things we teach you as you go through um, Rooted. You, you're going to hear about that a lot. And REAP stands for read, examine, apply, pray. And so we want you to read those scriptures and, and, and REAP and journal about them. And here's why. It's not because we want to control you. But last week we explained, think about the encouragement and the power that comes from, what, 250 people in this room, all reading the same scriptures every day, all journaling, all praying over those scriptures, all asking God, how are you going to use these scriptures in my life? And then as we come in contact with one another on social media, through text, on the phone, or in the grocery store, we can say, you know what? I prayed this prayer this morning, and I just saw you, and, and, this, and it brings to mind this scripture that we were studying this morning, and now we're able to speak that encouragement to one another. How powerful is that? Have you ever been a part of something like that? So that's why we are calling you to be on board and to be on the same train together. Then the next one is, is prayer. We want to create a culture of prayer as always vertical before it's horizontal. And when we, when we teach prayer, we, we use the acronym uh, pray or praise, repent, ask, yield. You'll learn more about that as you go through rooted. And then freedom from strongholds. We want you to know your enemy. And so that happens in our LTGs, our life transformation groups. And you'll learn more about those and be able to become a part of one of those as you go through Rooted. That's a place where you talk about, hey, where do you do your journal this week in the scriptures? You go over some accountability questions and then you pray for your two. You pray for the two people that that you don't think either have a connection with a local church body or or don't have a relationship with God. And you pray of how you can invite, invest and pray for them on on a consistent basis. With a small group of people. The next one is serving the community. We want people to connect with God, connect with God's people and connect and fulfill their purpose in life. 
And so we want you to be able to have a place where you serve in the community with your small group. We want a place where you can go deep, where it goes from an event to a regular place where you serve on a consistent basis and develop deep relationships in that place where you say this is our mission spot as a small group. Missions is not a trip. It's how we live out what we say we believe in everyday life. And so we're developing deep relationships here and we go here on a regular basis. The next one is sacrificial generosity. Later this year, we're going to do a series all over this. Giving is not about your money. Giving is about your heart. Giving is a heart matter. And we're going to go over some of that, but that's, a, that's one of those rooted rhythms. When you're in a group together and you see a need and you're able to sacrificially give to someone that you're doing life with to see that need met. That's how that plays out. Sharing your story. Everybody has a story, and that story is a part of the bigger story. Going through Rooted, we try to help people uh, understand and be able to tell their story and feel com- become more comfortable telling their story, and also to be able to connect how that story connects to the larger story. And then celebration. Here on Sunday mornings is the celebration. It's when the body comes together to celebrate what God has done. That last song that, you, that we just sung all together said how no longer are we, what, slaves to fear, but I'm a child of God. It's about knowing who we are, who, who they used to try to tell us we are, but now we know who we are. So we have a new identity. We've been given a new family because of the new relationship that we have with God the Father, through the sacrifice of his son, and so we can celebrate about that. It's that celebration piece. It's finding reasons in our everyday life to celebrate what God is doing. How is he moving? Am I seeing him move and sensing him move on a daily basis around me and my relationships? So as we consider living in rhythm together, how do we describe that and why are the ways that we speak about them important? Well, this morning I have two reasons for you. And the first one is this. We are what the scriptures say we are. We are what the scriptures say that we are. You know, last year, one of my friends who was going through a master's program um, in social work asked if she can interview me. And, and, and I agreed to it. And she said her social work uh, professor uh, had given her an assignment to interview someone of a different culture on certain topics. And so I, I agreed to do it. Now, most of the time going into this, I, I've, been, I've been asked to do this quite often, and a lot of it is because I'm like the only African-American friend that somebody has, and they get one of these assignments, and then it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to ask Jonathan, right? But the answers don't line up to what they really want. And so we're, we're going to get into that in a second here. And, and so the first question as we began this, this interview was like, hey, so please describe the culture with which you identify yourself. And I said, well, um, I have three cultures. And sometimes they, they, they're in conflict and sometimes they reinforce one another. Um, but when there is conflict, my primary or my core culture gets denied. She's like, what do you mean? I then went on to say that, um, I said, first of all, at my core, I'm a Christian. Genesis 1, 27 says that we are made in the image of God. 
It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. That is so important, especially in our day and time. Both male and female are made in the image of God. The next one is 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 17 says this. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So my core identity, the core base of who I am, I'm a Christian. And next I told her I'm Trisha's husband, I'm Claudette Silas and Tobias's dad, and I'm Diane's son. So the way I see, when I, when I relate to my family, there's a certain culture that's a part of that. And next, I'm African-American. So the way I see me relating to my family and being a citizen of this country when I am of African descent, all go through the lens of my identity and relationship with Christ first. Everything else permeates from who I am at my core. The way I love my wife, the way I love my kids, the way I serve my church, the way I act in community, all comes out of, at my core, I'm a child of God. And when that's at my core, then I don't have to cheat anybody to love my wife. I don't have to feel like I'm cheating the church because I'm loving my family because at my core, that's who I am. That changes things. Now it's not levels. It's just everything exudes from who I am at my core. That's why it's so important in knowing how the scriptures speak about who you are. Because if you're ever going to know who you are, then you have to know what God says that you are. And if it's that important for, for you to know who you are, to know what the scripture says about you, then it should be doubly important if we're going to know what the church is and know what the scriptures say about what the church is. So when speaking about the church, the scriptures use several different metaphors. And here are a couple of them. I'm just going to go through a couple of the ways that the scriptures describe the church. The first one is the church is a body. The church is a body. It says just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. The scriptures say that the church is a body. The next one is the church is a bride. It says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Ephesians 5, 31 to 32. I know you've heard that at a lot of weddings. But it's talking about Christ in the church. That is why when we hear somebody talking bad about the church, we should object. Because I'm going to tell you, we cool and all, but I'm not going to sit around and let you talk about my wife a lot. In the same way, how do you think Christ feels when you talk about his bride? 
The next one is the church is a family. It says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. We have a special responsibility to those who are part of our family. We have a special responsibility to those who are part of our family. The next one, the church is God's house. I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church is God's house. And then the church is a temple. The church is a temple. First Corinthians three sixteen through 17. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So all those Jews in there are plural. See, Paul's English wasn't fully developed yet because Texas didn't exist. And so he couldn't use the word y'all. But if he if he would have been more mature in his English, he would have had the word y'all that he could have put in there. And as you read all those verses that we just read everywhere that you saw you, you could have put y'all. See, why is that important? See, other scriptures uh, uh, say that the church is a holy nation, that that it's the salt of the earth, that it's the elect lady, that that it's a branch and, and, um, of a vine, that it's a flock of sheep. And so on. None of those things can you be by yourself. See, I know a lot of people. I I love the Sermon on the Mount. I love it. But when it talks about being the salt of the earth, it's not saying that you can be the salt of the earth by yourself. It's saying that collectively the church and its witness is the salt of the earth. It's saying that collectively the church shows a model of something that happens nowhere in the world where people that come from different cultures and backgrounds that have different living styles and different socioeconomic statuses are all able to exist together and harmonize together and worship and praise the same God because of the relationship they have through the risen Savior. That's what it's saying. We're the salt together. We're the light together. The next point of of why this is important and how this looks is this. Each one, teach one. Each one, teach one. See, we need each one of those metaphors. We need each visual. And here's why. To describe the church as a family is to speak about its relational intimacy and shared identity. There's a special bond that a family has. To describe the church as a body is to say that its members are, are, are mutually dependent but have different roles. To describe the church uh, as a temple of the spirit is to say that God uh, specially identifies himself and dwells with these people. To describe the church uh, as a vine and branches communicates the church dependence on Jesus and his words for his life, for his life. See, if we're not getting the word of God in us, if we don't have that, that vertical relationship, we will wither and die. It always goes vertical before it goes horizontal. If your vertical is messed up, 
you can count on starting to see your horizontal relationships wither. If your time in the word on a daily basis is missing, you can count on seeing it take effect in your horizontal relationships. See, if I were to pass around this bowl of fruit up here, most of us would pick out the one we like. See, in this bowl of fruit are some mangoes, and I love mangoes. I think mangoes are going to be in heaven. <laughs> right? And so, but here's the deal. The mark of an unhealthy church is one that picks out just their favorite metaphor for the church and leaves the others in a bowl. The mark of an unhealthy church is one that just picks out its favorite metaphor for the church and leaves the others in the bowl. Each and every fruit in this bowl has, has a different color and different vitamins, and they bring different benefits to our bodies in different ways. As much as you may like one particular um, thing or one particular fruit, we need all of them. In the same way, the local church needs everyone functioning in their God-given roles, using their God-given talents if we are to be healthy. See, when there's a part of your body that is not functioning, they say that you're handicapped. And I want to let you know that if you're here this morning and you're not using your gifts and talents to serve God in some kind of way, if you're not serving in the body, if you're not serving a part of the body, I want you to know you're handicapped in us. We are going without a part of us functioning. This is not a light matter. We're fighting uphill because you're not joining in. That means this, no one gets to chill, not if we're going to be healthy. No one gets to pass. That's why I love that we just had a serve day a couple of weekends ago. And in that serve day, Valerie um, Proctor, she helped organize a serve opportunity even for our zero to three-year-olds. So as the adults went out to serve out there, also our, our kids in the nursery and our youngest kids that stayed here as a part of that, they also served in their own way. And that was an important thing to say, baby, you don't start serving God when you become an adult. You serve God now. Yesterday, my, my two and three-year-olds were able to come up and help us put out Bibles on the seats as we set up for service this morning. You don't start serving God when you graduate college, baby. You start now. God has a role for you now. That's so important for us to show. If you wait till somebody gets 30 years old and say you need God, they're going to say, what for? I've lived 30 years without him. You didn't show me how I could be used by him in 30 years. So why do I need him now? It starts now. You actually need a body to be a body. You need a family to be a family. If we don't have these things, then how can we fulfill the roles that scriptures say we're supposed to fulfill? In John 13, 34, Jesus says this. So now I'm giving you a new covenant. Love each other just as I love you. You should love each other. Galatians 6, 2 says this. Paul says this there. He says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. So becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to ever have any more problems. If somebody told you that, I want to apologize right now, because what it actually says is you're going to have more problems. 
The enemy is going to put this bullseye on your back because now you have this new family. But what it does says is this, that once you become a Christian, you never have a problem that's just yours. You never have a problem that you just have to face by yourself. If you don't share your problems with the body, you are cheating the rest of us out of part of what it means to be a Christian. Part of me knowing what it means to be connected with God is to be able to help you share your burdens and carry the things that you encounter on a daily basis in your life. That's a part of what this means. In 1 Peter 4.10, he says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. How do you obey all these things, all these scriptures you've seen this morning? You obey them through membership in a local church. You pick a body and you're there and you commit it. And just like the verse that, that we read from Ephesians 5, 31 through 32, it, it says that, that not only does church membership give you a place to practice these gifts, but, it, but it, it says that what? It's the clearest picture of God that we have on this side. In that, that scripture, Paul is saying that what? The whole purpose of having this thing, of having this relationship, of having marriage is so that we can see how the triune God operates how it relates to one another. Our marriage is about more than us. Our relationships are about more than us. We are giving people an image of who God is through our marriages and our relationships. So when we think of the local church, what should we be reminded of? When we think about the local church, we should think about a body. You actually have to have a body or be a part of a body to have a body. When we think about the local church, we should think about a bride being made ready. I know she's not perfect. I know she has her flaws, but man, she is getting beautiful. He is perfecting her every day. And I know some of you may have been pushed away from the church because of things that have gone on. But no, he's perfecting her every day. He's making his bride ready for him without a spot or a wrinkle. When you think about the church, you should think about a temple. God is inhabiting his people in a way that he inhabits nothing else on this planet. When we think about the church, we should think about a family I'm fostering to adopt my kids, but they have a family now. If you feel like you're alone, I want you to know you have, if you're a part of it, you have a family. You're no longer an orphan. You have a family. You have an inheritance. We should think about a, a branch and vines. But in every case, we should think about so much more. There's no metaphor, there's no earthly thing that can be seen here that, 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 that really captures what we have in our relationship with God. All of them fail. All of them fall short because he's just that great. Now, the only way you get to be a part 
of all these metaphors is by stepping over the line of faith. And here's what that means. Stepping over the line of faith means this. It means admitting that you're a sinner. It means admitting that your sin separates you from God. But it means also understanding that God being rich in mercy and love sent his son to die on our behalf. And that anyone who solely trusts in that is able to have a relationship with him. If you have not done so, then I want to challenge you to do it today. In a minute, I'm going to pray. No special words, no special order of words. Just a prayer of thanks and give you that opportunity to make that decision. If you do so, you can mark it on your card that you receive while walking in and tear that piece off. You can take it to the welcome center. You can put it in an offering basket. Either way, but we want to know so that we can walk beside you in your next step. You can come up and have a conversation with us. And then if, you, if you're here and you, you have stepped over the line of faith, but you haven't went public in your relationship through a believer's water baptism, then that's your next step. Baptism is the first and easiest step of obedience for a Christian. Those who, are believed were, those who believe were baptized. We see it in Scripture. There's no better time than now. Sign up. Let us, we, on the third weekend of each month, we have baptisms, and we want to be able to walk beside you and help you have that happen. And if you're here and you, you, you've stepped over the line of faith and you've gone public with your faith through baptism, but you have not yet committed to being a functioning part of a church, then start praying about doing life with us here at Fellowship High Crest. You've heard me talk about Rudy. You've heard it throughout. If leading or facilitating a rooted group is your next step, then you can sign up for that now online. But part of being a part of Fellowship High Christ means being a part of a small group here. And all of our small groups are birthed through Rooted. And so Rooted Sign Up opens next Sunday. Begin praying about coming and signing up next Sunday, not waiting, not delaying, but signing up next Sunday to become and be a part of Rooted here at High Crest. What would it look like for you to truly do life with this body? Not just attend on Sunday mornings, not just be there on Wednesday nights, but to live out those seven rooted rhythms with a small group of people on a regular basis. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you in in, in every way that you sent your son to model your word before us. And through his sacrifice and through his obedience, now we're able to have a relationship with you. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here that's still struggling with being a part of the church because of her imperfections, that you would show that that you're the perfecter of our faith, that your Holy Spirit transforms the heart of man, that through it you are bringing us together in a way that we can't function and, and do life by ourselves. I pray, Father, that they would 
They will see that they can't earn their way. They can't work their way to. But it's solely by your grace and mercy. Father, for those of us who have stepped across the line of faith and we recognize our need for you. Press upon our hearts the importance of being a committed part of a local body. And I pray, Father, that if this is not the place, that you would send them somewhere where they can invest their lives deeply and be obedient to your word. We pray these things in your darling son Jesus' name. Amen.